Shalom, everybody. Shalom. God offers all of us gathered here today His shalom. Virtually everybody in this audience, of course, is familiar with that Jewish word. I believe that it is probably recognized, the most recognized Hebrew word all over the world, shalom. Isaiah 9, 6 is our text. If you have a Bible, please turn to it. If there's a Bible in front of you in the pew, please grab it and turn to Isaiah 9, 6. If you don't know where Isaiah is, it's in the Old Testament. That's what the index in your Bible is for. Look into it. Find out where that book is found. We've been looking at this text for quite a few weeks in reality. It's a great, great prophecy of the Old Testament. Isaiah speaks, and he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Shalom, Prince of Peace. We recognize that that word is most often translated peace in Scripture, but it means much, much more than that. It's used by the Jewish people as both a greeting when they are meeting someone and also as a goodbye when we are departing. It is more than just a greeting. It is more of a blessing because shalom means wholeness, wellness. It's a, it's a blessing that, that is being placed on the other person to say, may all of your life be fitting and working together properly. May you be complete and whole, your body, your spirit, your uh, emotions, everything working together. And you see, when all of it is working together, then there is a sense of peace. We've been looking at Isaiah's wonderful prophecy of a child that is to be born and a son that is to be given. And now we come to that fourth, final, and climactic name given to this child, Prince of Peace. Because we live in a world that is longing for peace, Prince of Peace is truly a beautiful, beautiful name. The whole world longs for peace. I remember years ago, at least, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure about today, but years ago, often in uh, these uh, huge beauty contests, 
the contestants would have to give a speech. They would have to declare what they were going to try to enhance during their time as a beauty queen, if that should so happen. And they would often, it seems, choose world peace as their theme. (laughs) We wonder and worry about whether we will ever be able to achieve any kind of real peace in our world. We can't seem to achieve it among nations, and now in American culture, we can't even seem to achieve it in our communities. I find it interesting that our presidential candidates in their stump speeches describe themselves and what they will do for our country as though they were the child being described in Isaiah's prophecy. It's a remarkable thing for someone running for president of the USA to say without blushing that they promise to keep America safe, make America great again, restore our standing as leader of the free world, fix the mess in the Middle East, usher in a new American century of peace and prosperity. Now, these candidates might as well be saying to the American people, hey, vote for me. I'm the person in Isaiah's prophecy. That's me. I'm the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Put the government on my shoulders and just see what happens. Of the increase of my government and peace, there will be no end. My point is simply this. In presidential politics, the rhetoric really gets messianic. The language becomes eerily prophetic as candidates offer hope for the future that only God could possibly deliver on. Perhaps this is the reason why presidential races in America are such a toxic mix of intense hope followed by anger and resentment as we all come to realize that another would-be Messiah can't deliver on what he promises. This verse in Isaiah 9-6 and its surrounding verses is messianic to the max. It's looking back to what Isaiah prophesied two chapters earlier in Isaiah 7, 14, where Isaiah says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So this son is both a sign from God, and he is Emmanuel, God with us. 
our little Prince of Peace is God with us. And friends, his name is Jesus. And Jesus means Savior. Okay. Now that brings me to my first point. Jesus gives salvation. Jesus gives salvation. That, this means that Jesus, Prince of Peace, establishes peace between God and us. God and you. Reflect for just a moment on the words at the beginning of our text. A child is born, to us a son is given. Now, just for a moment, reflect on just those words. To us a, son, a child is born, to us, a son is given. Now, we recognize that sure it's talking about the advent of Christ, about his coming in the flesh and being born as a baby, an infant. But think for a moment about how God uses that word in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he, what? Gave. Gave his one and only son. God gave him. That's no longer talking about the advent of Christ, about his beginning in the flesh. It's talking about his being offered as a sacrifice of atonement for all people everywhere. For God so loved, what? The world. He loved all people. There's nobody in this world that God doesn't love. He loves us all. And what did he do? He gave. See, unto us, a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Our Prince of Peace came into this world so we could experience peace with God. Now, that's the first most important step, that we have peace with God. You see, when we have peace with God, when Christ has come into our life, when he has truly become Jesus to us, Savior to us, it secures our ultimate destiny. Can you have any peace in this world until your ultimate destiny is secured. I submit to you that you cannot. 
that that is the first step. If you want peace in your life, you must first of all establish that Jesus is your Savior. It has to be. Peace is going to be really difficult for you to find if you don't find and accept Jesus, the Prince of Peace. As a matter of fact, God Himself speaks in Isaiah 48, 22. It says, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. That's what I am without Jesus. Jesus is the one who's cleaned me up. Jesus is the one who has taken away my sin. Jesus is the one who has made it possible for a relationship between me and my Father. It's Jesus. I suppose mankind has always tried to earn his way into heaven by being good or by punishing himself through some religious ritual. We've seen the pictures of men walking through the streets, beating their backs bloody with chains, trying somehow to atone for their own sins. Other people have been ordered by their priests to go up long flights of rough stone steps on their bared knees. I've been to the Yucatan of Mexico and have visited the Mayan ruins there, some of them at least, and I've climbed the steps of those temples. Boy, that's a journey. You go to the top, and what do you find at the top? You find an altar where it is said that they offered their precious young women to placate the anger and the wrath of their God. How gruesome is that? In America, we seem to gravitate toward the scales of philosophy where we think that if our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds, we will be accepted into heaven. And this is, of course, uh, is of course totally uh, something that contradicts God's Word, which tells us in Romans 3, verses 23 to 25, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. You see, it's too late to be good because we've already been bad. During the years of my ministry, I have run into so many men in particular who, when I asked them, what would hinder you from accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and from being baptized? I 
so many of them replied, I just have to straighten up and clean up some of the things in my life before I do that. Here's what God's Word says, Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have, listen, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who's the Prince of Peace? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus. Jesus is Savior. Peace with God is established through our faith in Jesus Christ, Prince of Peace. Now, this is eternal peace. This is the peace in which you know that your destiny is secure. You will never be able to have peace in your heart in this present time until you know you have peace with God for all time. When I was a young man doing a summer internship in my home church, my mentor and friend, Virgil Taylor, invited me to go with him to an area-wide preacher's meeting in a nearby town. And there was a panel of preachers on the platform that day, and I guess they must have been talking about salvation because at one point a, pres a young Presbyterian minister was asked, are you saved? Do you know where you're going when life is over? I was shocked. I was just a young guy. Because he said, no, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. You see, he believed in the doctrine of predestination, that a man is either predestined to heaven or he's predestined to hell, and he has no choice in it. So he answered honestly that he had no idea. He was clueless about his destiny. The Bible tells me in 1 John 5, and you really ought to know this, 1 John 5, verses 11 through 13, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, that's God's Word. You can know absolutely and for sure that you have eternal life. And in your life, there should never be any maybes or I hope so's in regard to your eternal destiny. Jesus must be your Savior, Prince of Peace.
I think maybe you're beginning to understand a little bit about what Prince of Peace may mean. It's a broad picture, but it's sure an essential picture. The second point that I want to make is this, that Jesus is Lord. When Jesus is Lord of your life, He brings into your life the peace of God. Not just peace with God, but the peace of God. You see the difference in that? When Jesus comes into your life as Lord, He comes in to take over. He doesn't come to sit in a corner unnoticed and inactive. He comes to do a thorough and complete rebuild of your life. You maybe thought you were going to be some quaint little cottage on the side of a shaded hill, but you have that thought all wrong. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Now, this word prince in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, represents somebody of authority, somebody of great influence. Not necessarily royalty, but somebody who has power. Jesus, often in the New Testament, states something about Satan being the prince of this world. You see? Now, that, that doesn't mean that he has total over authority, but he certainly has great influence, doesn't he? He's the prince of this world. Jesus is the prince of peace. Now, the prince, then, is very much like a lord. That's why I state at the beginning, Jesus is lord. We can say Jesus is prince, but I'd like to say, uh, give you a, just a little bit stronger word than prince, because Jesus is lord. And when you accept the authority of Jesus over your life, He's going to make some big changes. He's going to bang you about and rattle you to your foundations. Your walls are going to be extended. Your ceiling is going to be raised. Battlements are going to be built and towers are going to go out because you aren't some quaint little house on a shady hill. You're a castle built for the Lord Himself, the Prince of Peace. He's coming in. But boy, when he comes in, he's going to insist on some changes. He does not want you to stay the way you are. You cannot stay the way you are when Jesus comes into your life. If you are the same person you were when you first accepted Jesus Christ, there's something wrong. And you need to make some changes in your life because that is exactly what Jesus is insisting on. When Jesus moves in, he brings rules for the house with him. 
you will love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? But then he starts picking. You will love your neighbor as what? As yourself, yes. And it gets worse. You will treat others the way you want to be treated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Guess what? When we begin to behave in that manner, it makes peace in all of our relationships. Isn't it people that get under our skin? Prince of Peace came to help change us and help us to win friends and influence people, to be a friend in order to have a friend. We create so many problems and worries for ourselves by the way we interact with others. The peace of God depends on our relationship and loyalty to the Prince of Peace, Jesus. This is peace in our hearts and minds. This is a wonderful, wonderful place to be. The pathway to the peace of God is found in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Listen. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is all about your continuing relationship with Jesus, the Prince of Peace. If you talk with Him and present your request to Him through your prayers and thanksgiving, then Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is going to come marching in with his colors flying, and he is going to stand sentry at the door of your heart and mind, and he will not allow anything to come in that will harm you. That's relationship. Jesus guards our hearts and our minds. You want peace? You want perfect peace? You want the peace of God in your life? Jesus must establish himself in your life as prince and Lord. There's no other way. This is all about your continuing relationship with Jesus, the Prince of Peace. If you talk with him and present your request to him through your prayers and thanksgiving, then Jesus, the Prince of Peace, stands sentry at your heart and your mind.
This is the peace of God. Now, in order to maintain this peace of God, Jesus gives us a companion for the journey. John 14, verses 15 through 18, Jesus speaks, and he says this, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, promised his disciples before he departed for heaven that he would not leave them as orphans alone in the world. He promised them a comforter and a counselor who would not only be with them, but who would live in them. Furthermore, Jesus says that in the Holy Spirit, He is coming to us. Jesus is living in us through His Spirit. He is a permanent part of our lives. When you accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you become the permanent cleansed residence and dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verses 19 and 20, says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Friends, this is Emmanuel. God with us, God living in us, God guiding us, God comforting us, God giving us shalom. Jesus says in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Listen, and do not be afraid. Some years ago, Paul Harvey told the story of a father whose son had gone off to fight for the Union Army during the Civil War. And after months of camp fever, he finally saw battle, and he was seriously wounded. News of his son's wound came to that father on Christmas Eve, and being a poet, he sat down and he expressed his anguish in song. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote these words as he contemplated that bleak Christmas morning. 
And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now, I don't want to leave you in the depths of despair with Longfellow because he went on with his song. And I want to read most of it, at least, to you so you hear where he's coming from. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And the bells are ringing, peace on earth, like a choir. They're singing, peace on earth. In my heart, I hear them, peace on earth, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But the bells are ringing, peace on earth, like a choir singing, peace on earth. Does anybody hear them? Peace on earth, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then rang the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor does he sleep, peace on earth. Peace on earth. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Amen. The prince has come. He is the prince of peace. You will find no peace in this earth unless he is your peace. He has to be accepted. Your destiny has to be determined once and for all in order for Jesus to come into your life and begin to be Lord and clean you up and make, make something of that mess that is you. Jesus, Prince of Peace, will you accept him? He demands that you act. Many preachers stand up before the audience and say, come receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. I like a different word a little bit better. I say, come accept Jesus as Lord. He has presented himself as God's sacrifice of atonement to bring peace to all of humanity. But you have to do something volitional. You have to act in order to have Jesus come into your life. So I say today, 
Will you accept the Prince of Peace, Jesus, the Son of God? Won't you come? As we stand and we will sing our invitation, will band please come forward? God is good. He has given us a prince, and he must be yours. Come now, please.